Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. Today we're going to be discussing Chapter 31 of Pride and Prejudice with my special guest, my sister Paula. Hi. So in Chapter 31, there is an evening party at Rosings Park. So the Huntsford party goes to Rosings. I know I've said this the last two weeks, but I find this chapter quite funny. <laughs> yeah, you do. You say that about every chapter. It's quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> or one of the funniest. The, the only thing that uh, is missing is Mr. Collins making some ridiculous comment. Yeah, actually, we don't really hear a lot about him in this chapter. Do we hear anything at all? Does he talk at all? No, I think... Well, my assumption is that Austin was trying to focus on the relationship between Elizabeth Fitzwilliam and Darcy and Lady Catherine Catherine because it's sort of setting us up for later in the novel when Lady Catherine turns up and Colonel Fitzwilliam has disappeared. He's quite pivotal in a lot of ways, but he's only here for a very short time. He obviously has taken a real shine to Elizabeth. Mrs. Collins' pretty friend had caught his fancy very much. And I know in the novel they say that Jane is the beautiful one, but we have this comment and then uh, Darcy speaks about her fine eyes. Mm. So she obviously wasn't hard on the eyes at all, Some someone pretty to look at. I think... The way that she is, her personality makes her pretty as well because she's quite charming. She's a little bit cheeky. She's a little bit what we call flirty now. Yes, and she definitely is in this chapter. The way that she speaks to Darcy when she's playing the pianoforte almost seems out of character for a woman in those times. Yeah, she's a very modern woman. But yeah, it does sound like flirting so you can understand why he misconstrues what she says. In fact, I underlined a bit that he said, you find great enjoyment in occasionally professing opinions which in fact are not your own. And it quite clearly highlights that the two of them are misunderstanding each other. He thinks she's joking a lot of the time because of the way that she talks. Yes, yes. I I really wanted her to say what. What are these opinions that you think aren't my own? Um, But of course she doesn't because she is polite enough not to say that. But yeah, it really is, I guess, the beginning of their relationship. In this chapter, you think? Prior to this, they don't really get to speak to each other one-to-one, do they? Not in the same sort of way, no. He says, I'm not afraid of you, but she accuses him of only dancing four dances at the ball, even though ladies were scarce. And to my certain knowledge, sorry, gentlemen were scarce, and to my certain knowledge, more than one young lady was sitting down in want of a partner. She's referring to herself in there as well. But those four dancers, he dances twice with each Bingley sister, because that's the amount that you're allowed to dance with someone, is twice. And the only two people he knows in the room are the Bingley sisters and he refuses to be introduced to anybody else. I like the way, though, Elizabeth sort of not cuts him down but gives him a bit of a reality check when he says, well, you know, I'm not very good at making small talk or or introducing myself to people I don't know. And she says, well, I'm not brilliant at the piano, yet I give it a go and I practice. The only way you're going to get better is if you try. 
and I think he kind of really needs to hear that and it's almost like a a turning point for him she does challenge him and other people don't and I think that's one of the reasons that he likes her because she won't just bow and say yes Mr Darcy no Mr Darcy she'll say well what about this and that was foreshadowed uh, in the previous chapter when she didn't bow down to Lady Catherine de Bourgh and everybody bows down to her and yes Lady Catherine no Lady Catherine you know they they will do everything that um, she asks in the way that she asks like refolding the dresses um, whereas Elizabeth stood up to her and she does the same thing with Darcy and this is the first chapter as I was reading it that I realized that there are actually two Catherines in this book which is hilarious because I've read this book so many times over, but there's Lady Catherine. But Kitty's name is actually Catherine, but we refer to her as Kitty the whole way through. And I wonder why Jane Austen reused the name because it's not like in Persuasion where there are so many Charles, these Charles Hater and two Charles Musgroves. The eldest, the Mary's husband, and then Mary's son are all called Charles Musgrove because it's a family name. So I wonder why here, when there's an opportunity to have used a different name, if there's any reasoning behind having Kitty and Lady Catherine have the same name. Maybe she just liked the name. Maybe she did just like the name. But I'm just really amused at myself that I never noticed that there's actually two Catherines. Yeah, but you're right. We never hear Kitty as Catherine. It's always Kitty. It's Kitty. But we were talking before about Lady Catherine and how... No one's probably had to, well, no one's had the right to get her to do anything her whole life. She was probably a very spoilt child. And while we find her an annoying character, she is actually amusing. And we were comparing her to um, Lady Denim. Denim in Sanditon. The TV adaptation. Who's actually just not a very nice character. And... The thing is, is that Lady Denham has all these people fawning all over her because they want her money, whereas Lady Catherine knows that her money is going to her daughter and um, that allows her a little bit more freedom from her family uh, and other people wanting to come in and um, take from her. I think the power they wield is a little bit different because Lady Catherine doesn't have the power of I can decide your fate quite as much as Lady Denham does, although she does when it comes to Mr. Collins, but her power is more rank, whereas Lady Denham's is, I have the money, when I die, I well, I get to choose who it goes to when I die, not when I die I get to choose because she'll be dead, <laughs> she won't have much of a choice then. And everybody's hanging around to try and get her money when she dies, but yes, Lady Catherine, Mr. Collins is definitely hanging around because she is his patron and she might be able to help him out as we were saying last week with other family livings but there's not really a lot of reason for the others to be there we were wondering why Fitzwilliam and Mr Darcy were visiting and we assumed that it's a visit of duty that they visit their aunt it doesn't seem to be much of a pleasure but but from something Fitzwilliam says I think in the next chapter it seems to be a regular occurrence and you can tell it doesn't give them much pleasure when uh, Austin mentions about Fitzwilliam liking the the company of Elizabeth being there. Though for Lady Catherine, while there were visitors in the house, i.e. Fitzwilliam and Mr Darcy, 
they, the, the Huntsford party, could not be necessary. And then when she does invite them, it was plain that their company was by no means so acceptable as when she could get nobody else. Because <laughs> she just ignores them and then puts Elizabeth on the piano and lets her play to keep the people ent- entertained, but then talks over her while she's playing and sort of insults her playing as well. Oh, absolutely. Because she wouldn't, she's not as good as her daughter could be if her daughter played. And if Lady Catherine had learned, she would have been a great proficient. Yeah. And we were discussing how is it possible that Lady Catherine can't play because she's had all these governesses and all the masters available to her, but she still can't play the piano. Plus, she's had time. What has she got to do with her time other than learn how to play the piano forte? I mean, married women didn't tend to play quite the same. Like, we were, we were talking about Emma earlier, and in Emma, Mrs. Elton talks about giving up her music once she marries. But we're also talking about how if Emma hadn't... Oh, spoiler alert. If Emma hadn't ended up with Knightley, Mr. Knightley, sorry. Mr. Knightley. Mr. Knightley. Um, she could have ended up like Lady Catherine. Because she did like to meddle and tell people what to do, like Lady Catherine de Bourgh. And while in Emma she's young and uh, innocent, you could imagine her turning into Lady Catherine as she got older if she wasn't held in check by anybody. And a bit like Lady Catherine, I think they both lack self-knowledge. Emma goes through quite a transformation in the book. She gains some self-knowledge and... You could almost say that Mr. Knightley is a little bit of her conscience that helps her come around to some of those things. Absolutely. And also he's the one that um, tells her that she should be practicing, doesn't he? And that Jane Fairfax is the accomplished woman that she would like to be considered herself. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Emma. Poor Emma. Yeah. But she hasn't had anyone to push her. She has a lovely relationship with uh, Mrs. Weston, who was her Miss Taylor. But uh, it seems like that Mrs. Weston didn't push her. Oh, we're completely off topic. I'm sorry. It's okay. We're allowed to go off topic. Exciting news. My sister is going to be teaching Emma to her year 12s next year. This year? This year, sorry. Next term. Next term, she's going to be teaching the new Emma movie to her year 12s. Very excited. I am very excited too. But anyway, back to Pride and Prejudice. Actually, can we go back to Sanditon for a second? Okay, let's go back to Sanditon. I think it's interesting that there are nasty characters in Sanditon. I think that's a very 21st century thing to do with characters. And I think it's not actually a fair representation of what Austen would have done. I agree with you there. Because you get like Lady Catherine and Lady Catherine isn't actually nasty. She just seems to lack that self-knowledge and be unaware how her behaviour affects other people. There are some slightly nasty characters. For example, the wife at the beginning of Sense and Sensibility. Fanny Dashwood. Yeah, Fanny. Now, she's not the nicest, but also Jane Austen doesn't spend a lot of time focusing on her. Mm -hmm. I don't think her aim is to spend pages on characters who aren't um, particularly pleasant. Whereas in the Sanditon adaptation, it's quite difficult to find pleasant characters yeah it's really sad actually it doesn't feel so much like austin i think austin characters tend to have a lot more depth to them you've got 
you have reasons for them behaving the way that they do like emma some people would assume is nasty but she has good intentions and i think you could say that lady catherine also has good intentions because she thinks she knows best and she wants to help people so she sallies forth into the village and scolds them into want and plenty uh-huh, uh-huh. out of want into plenty something like that yeah and Uh, she just feels that she has the right to know what's going on in the conversations in this chapter yeah she does she keeps interrupting them they talk about music a lot actually most of the conversations about music but then today if you were to go and have dinner with a group of people they'd probably be talking about what they were watching on netflix it's that same kind of thing it's the popular culture thing what do you do in the evening someone plays the piano what do we do in the evening someone puts on netflix yeah yeah. Never thought we'd be discussing Netflix in regards to Pride and Prejudice. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. The themes that I thought cropped up in this chapter, which are ones that we've discussed before, women's education and women's entertainment, a woman as entertainment. So Elizabeth is sort of put on show here. And it's exhibiting her education. And, of course, Lady Catherine was talking about her lack of education and how if she'd studied more, Elizabeth would have been better. And then, of course, about how if Lady Catherine had learnt or if Anne had learnt, they would have been much better than Elizabeth. And there's no question of Colonel Fitzwilliam or Mr Darcy playing the pianoforte. And there's no discussion of what they're good at or what they can do. No. Because they're men. They're there to be entertained rather than to entertain. They're the entertainee, not the entertainer. I'm hoping the next chapter's not as funny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And that is our summary of Chapter 31 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and I wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice heavily pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!